I think that that land-grant university mission not just encourages, but really makes it central to the academics work to make sure that they're being inclusive of the community and that it's mutually beneficial. Welcome to Health and Human Science Matters, a podcast by Colorado State University's College of Health and Human Sciences. I'm your co-host and digital media strategist, Avery Martin. And I'm Matt Hickey, Associate Dean for Research and Graduate Studies. In our college, we make it our mission to optimize human health and well-being through discovery and innovation. Don't just take our word for it. Each episode, we sit down with people who fulfill that mission, our college faculty and staff. And today, we're delighted to have Sammy Brown from the School of Social Work to join us. Hi, Sammy. Yes, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for joining us. We're looking forward to a chat. And as we were talking about before we got on air today, we, we just want to have some fun. We want to get to know you a little bit better. It's going to be a mix of Sammy the person and Sammy the scholar. So we'll start with Sammy the person. Tell us a little bit about you and sort of family, maybe special memories or moments that you're willing to share. Well, I guess I'll just start with um, where I'm from. So I'm from the Pacific Northwest in an area called the Tri-Cities in Washington State. And my parents and brother and sister-in-law and nieces and nephews are in Washington. And so I grew up playing sports and those playing soccer led me to undergraduate in upstate New York. And so I- Where in upstate New York? I must interrupt it because it's home for me. Oh, it is. Okay. So Albany, the College of St. Rose. Oh, great. Yeah. So it was a small D2 school Mm -hmm. where I played soccer and really began studying psychology and criminal justice. And that's kind of what paved the pathway for me to be here today. That's a long journey for college, right? The other side of the the map, as they say. That's great. Yes. So um, again, tell us about sort of family influences, maybe special memories you have as a young lady. Yeah, um, I'm a first generation college student. And so following the academic trajectory was a little out of norm for my family. But my parents always instilled kind of the hard work ethic. And so I think that helped to encourage some of my pathways. But I um, grew up in a slightly rural town. Um, it's not so much anymore. We've It's grown significantly primarily because we're on the Columbia River. And so um, a lot of wineries and, and things like that have... That's a beautiful part of the world, though, isn't it? It really is. is. Yeah. yeah. It's When I say Washington State, often people think rainy Seattle, but it's um, very much a tempered climate similar to Colorado. So yeah, I mean, most of my childhood memories were spent either, you know, playing sports, floating the Columbia River or Yakima River, boating with friends, and kind of being in that little bubble of a valley. I also grew up with a horse and um, a dog, and so had that experience as well of raising animals growing up. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. One of my fondest memories is from that neck of the woods, Mount Adams. Chris, okay. Chris Milby and I spent some fun time in snow on Mount Adams a few years back. That's great. Yeah, I actually didn't learn how to snowboard or anything really until I moved to Colorado, so more in my adult life, even yeah. though I had attempted it several times, just given the proximity of all the mountains down there. But yeah. I have to ask you, knowing somewhat the answer to this question, having grown up in upstate New York, you, you moved from, from paradise to Albany, where the winters can be 
uh, eye-opening. So tell us a little bit about how you survived it's a nice upstate New York winters. <laughs> Well, because I was on the academic schedule, I avoided some of the more severe weather patterns, so just being home for the holidays. But the fall in upstate New York is beautiful. And so we got to travel. Being um, at the D2 school that I was, most of our competition was in that northeastern region. And so we would take the bus to like New Hampshire and Rhode Island and and places like that. And so I was able to see kind of upstate in that regard, which was really amazing and really beautiful. When I graduated, I had a December graduation and so flew my parents out and my brother. And we that was the most severe snowstorm that we experienced. Um, they were unable to drive and pick me up at my college residence. And so I had to taxi to their hotel in order for us to like catch our flight and leave. So that was an eventful uh, weekend. But and I, you know, so I think it was just kind of ironic that never really had experienced that severe of weather until my family came to visit. Well, you got lucky for the Mm -hmm. most part. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. So tell us about what you do for fun when you're not on campus. What are the things that interest you? Well, when I'm not on campus, I spend a lot of time hiking um, with my dog and my husband. Uh And we, yeah, I mean, so work in the Denver metro area. And so we also go out to eat a lot and restaurants. And yeah, so that's kind of what I like to do for fun. I feel like I'm working a lot. And so <laughs> sometimes it's hard for me to think about what do, what do I do for fun? Do you have a favorite hike that you're willing to share? Yeah. Hiking Mount Albert, one of the 14ers was probably the best hike that I've experienced. We woke up with the intention to not summit, but um, we did. And it was just one of our first big hikes together and so it's pretty memorable for us and the views are spectacular if you get a good day beautiful right? yes I mean, we often do of course the weather's so fantastic usually. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and we don't do those bigger hikes as much anymore just because our dog's getting a little older and so we we like to kind of do a, a family experience Indeed. but unfortunately he suffers if we continue too long so the other hikes that we really enjoy are peaceful valley uh-huh. i'm not sure if you've been yeah, in that yeah, area yeah. Yeah. yeah and again that for the fall and even into the winter months it's beautiful we are spoiled living yes. in colorado mm-hmm. aren't we yes yes we are mm-hmm. i'm not much of a hiker but i am an amateur foodie so what's the best <laughs> restaurant in denver to you oh gosh that's so tough um we really like this place in downtown called Work in Class, Ooh. and also another place called Urban Beats, which is in Old Town Arvada. Mm. It's like a vegan vegetarian restaurant, but has some of the most amazing flavors and foods. And it tastes like one of our favorite meals is it's called a Gordon's Crunch, and it tastes like a taco, like something from Taco Bell, but it's like a healthy Only version. Better. Yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm so, adding that to the yeah. list. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, good. So tell us a little bit about your your educational trajectory. As you were moving through at some point, maybe several points for many of us, somebody, a mentor, a teacher, an influence sort of lit your fire and and inspired you to think about the next step. And I'm I'm always interested in hearing those stories. Yeah, um, I'm not sure that it was one specific mentor Mm -hmm. that 
really changed the trajectory for me. I think it was probably an accumulation of mentors or experiences. I, like I mentioned, studied psychology and criminal justice in undergrad. And that was really influenced by, high, in high school, there was an opportunity to do a running start program where we could take some college courses. And so then those were transferable to, to undergrad. But I was really interested in the overlap. And so I worked in a lab um, in undergrad under the mentorship of Dr. Rob Flint. And so he did a lot of animal-related research with substance use. And then I wasn't really convinced that I wanted to do research at that time. I was really interested in more of the clinical side of things. And so I applied to the forensic psychology program at the University of Denver and really led a clinical trajectory at that point. And so after I completed that program, I worked in different clinical settings, um, child welfare, substance use, domestic violence. And so those experiences then influenced my motivation to pursue a doctoral education in social work, just working with children and families who've experienced different traumas and adversities. And so I think that, you know, up until that point, I just had mentors who didn't necessarily sway me to do, you know, a PhD or um, to kind of go down the research path. But I think that they also offered little kernels of support or excitement when I would talk about some of the areas that I was interested in. And so just kind of having that as a foundation was really helpful. And then I think that for me in my doctoral studies, um, my mentors at the University of Denver and postdoctoral mentors were really impactful for me. Um, And so I think retrospectively, I can look back and piece the trajectory together. But at the time, it was very much, I had just very short-term goals, and then um, just different life experiences influenced the next step. That's great. Mm -hmm. Now, tell us a little bit about how long you've been with us. We were lucky enough to recruit you to CSU, and so how long have you been here? Yeah, so I've been here for four years, so I'm in my fourth year. Fantastic. And when you think about your research program, what, what excites you the most about what you've got going on right now? So I work with children and families who've experienced adversity, both with respect to more clinical research and intervention research. And so I think what excites me is really engaging with families. We do a lot of our data collection in homes. And so just hearing their perspectives on their life experiences and taking that information to try to turn it into something that might help them or meet their needs. And so That's exciting. I also really am excited about the community-engaged research. So a lot of the work that I do partners with the agencies that serve children and families with adversity. And so I appreciate having their input and making the research experience mutually beneficial in terms of, you know, how can we answer this research question in a rigorous way? But then with that information, how can we give that back to your agency or the families that you serve to better meet everyone's needs. So that's kind of what excites me. It's not necessarily a specific research question, but more of the process. 
Yeah, this is the underlying motivation for everything you do. Right? Mm-hmm. It's really neat and important. That's that's what matters. So one of my favorite jobs as the associate dean is to celebrate wins, right? And and we've been able to stand up and applaud Sammy on many occasions. So tell us who, who supports your scholarship funding agencies. Um, the brag, I- brag a little bit. <laughs> I have an NIH award or NIH K01 award that is a mentored award. So when you asked about mentorship, I should also acknowledge that I have an amazing mentorship team currently. So it wasn't just mentors who've influenced me to get this position, but also who continue to influence me in um, as I engage in this work. So NIH, and then also I recently received a RO3 mechanism from NIH as well. So, um, and I've also been fortunate to receive funding from different foundations like Fosbeck Fund for Research and Evaluation and HRSA, basically the Maternal and Child Health Bureau uh, funding agency as well, and Society for Research and Child Development. So different funding agencies that have really contributed to the success with NIH and ability to pay families for their time to participate in these research studies. That's great. So as an early career investigator, you're really flourishing. That's certainly the perspective from my chair, for sure. Tell us about sort of a day in the life of you, your research team. What what does a typical, acknowledging there are no typical days in many ways, but what's a day in the life of Sammy and her research team look like? Well, no day is the same. It's very unpredictable. Um, As I mentioned, we collect data mostly in families' homes. I know that that has, we've had some adaptations during the pandemic, but we drive around the Denver metro and Fort Collins areas to meet with families. And so that's kind of what is prioritized. And so if there is data collection to be had, then our team members will be meeting with families in families' homes. Otherwise, it is, you know, really flexible in terms of coding, cleaning data. Um, It's not traditional lab, like a traditional lab experience, since a lot of the data collection is home-based. But we do have things that we bring back into the lab, like saliva samples for assessing salivary cortisol. And so we have some people who will process those data. And then a lot of it is writing. Um, I think that I spend a lot of time working on grants or trying to disseminate some of our findings. But everyone, you know, in terms of who comprises the lab, I have some students that I work with in Denver as well as Fort Collins. And so the remote and hybrid work has actually been really beneficial to our lab experience to kind of create more of a holistic or community with that lab. You know, it's interesting because as a college, we think about this translational model with some regularity and look at the diversity of scholars and units we have. And, and sometimes we'll see niches that tend to be on one end of that spectrum or the other, right? The, the bench to bedside metaphor. But you sort of bring that whole thing, that whole package with you to a certain extent. You're out talking to folks in their homes and then doing some biomarker work mm-hmm. back on campus. It's, it's kind of neat. Yeah. And, and it's not always clean, you know, in terms of what we think about if we bring families into a lab and there's this more contained and structured process. Um, But I think that that's why I really enjoy this type of work, because it brings a more real life 
experience to the research process. And so, um, but with that, there's been a lot of learning experiences as well. We've heard from several colleagues in these conversations about the the kind of moments in the course of a day or a semester where where you get that reinforcement that I'm I'm doing what I want to do. You know, those aha moments, the empowering moments. Can you share an example of you know, th- this is an, an episode of what reminds me why I enjoy being an academic so much. Yeah, I think it's both with research and teaching. So I teach the research method sequence in the School of Social Work, and so many social work master's students come into that class thinking that research is very daunting because it can be. Uh, and so seeing them and walking them through the process of engaging in a program evaluation or research project and then seeing them defend that and having all of the pieces of the puzzle connect and seeing their excitement and their ability to translate that in their presentations, I think that is really impactful. And so I think that has motivated me to want to bring teaching into more of the clinical related professions as well, just in terms of how important that is. And then I think from a research perspective, I, gosh, there's been so many moments where I have had those experiences that have continued to motivate me. I think often, you know, it could be working with a family specifically and just talking about, you know, what the purpose of this research is and what we plan to do with it. Um, Some of the work that I've done is intervention-based, and so seeing the families reflect on their experiences in terms of how that intervention might have been helpful for them. And then I think there's also other moments where maybe it's getting that grant or having someone reach out to present some of the work that we're doing just to know that it matters at a larger scale as well. So I think that there's been multiple moments that have fueled that motivation. And there's been moments where it's been difficult and challenging. And so having those moments spread out and come unexpectedly is really helpful. In the spirit of applauding you for your accomplishments, I'll I'll note for our listeners that you were one of two CSU speakers that were invited to the CCTSI Summit this summer. I really enjoyed listening to you. I think that was that was neat and another opportunity to celebrate the scholarship in the college for yes, sure. Thank well you. Done. So we want to ask you to exercise your imagination a little bit. You're five years down the road. What do, what does it look like to to be Sammy Brown and engaged <laughs> in scholarship, teacher, uh, enjoying restaurants and hiking <laughs> and all those things? What what does life look like five years down the road for you? Um. Well, I hope to have an R01, <laughs> which <Right>. is, <laughs> and I that is at my forefront of my mind because I'm submitting a resubmission in a couple of weeks. So I. So in the near future, you may have the challenge of having three NIH grants funded at the same time. Yes. It's a nice problem to have, isn't it? Yeah, it's overwhelming, but really exciting. I think that, you know, that funding is, like I said, it really kind of keeps everything going and so that there's not any roadblocks or barriers for a continuation of this work. And so that's kind of, yeah. So that would be really lovely to have in five years. I also hope that some of the recent work that I've been doing is better translated into current child and family serving systems and programs so that families' needs are being met. Um, And 
what I mean by that is, you know, I think there's a lot of existing programs that are really helpful for the families that I work with, like some of the home visiting programs or nurse family partnership type of programs. And I hope that some of the things that we are unpacking in my work would be added as enhancements to those programs since we are kind of identifying different targets for intervention. And so that would be really lovely as well. Can you share a little bit about how you've managed to navigate COVID-19? You know, it it has been challenging. Um, I think that, like many of us, we thought that there was more of an immediate end in sight. And so I think at first we just said, hey, let's just take a time out and we'll reconvene when when we can. But we soon realized that it's, you know, we're still living in a pandemic. And so I think that we've managed this by first asking some of the families about their experiences. So you had mentioned that CCTSI presentation. And so we had asked some of the families that we had already been working with, you know, how have they been impacted by the stay-at-home restrictions and and the safety um, protocols that had been, been in place. And families expressed both negative in that it's impacted their mental health or their ability to stay employed and care for their families. And then at the same time, families expressed that it presented different opportunities for them to kind of be forced in situations where they were able to spend time with their um, loved ones. And so there were both positive and negative experiences. And so that was really impactful just in terms of understanding where our families were starting at this new baseline, so to speak. And so then we also talked with a lot of families about their comfortability in continuing to engage in some of the research-specific data collection that we were doing. And so the um, specific projects that I'm talking about did have longitudinal data points. And so we adapted as families felt comfortable in terms of being able to either ask questions over the phone or meet to do some data in someone's backyard where we were able to be outside or have that space to social distance. And then also, um, you know, because we this work is grant funded, we're able to compensate families for their time, which has been really helpful for a lot of the families who were economically impacted by COVID. It's also been a learning experience in terms of the lab. So I mentioned that we collect salivary cortisol just as a biomarker of stress. And so we have had to pause some of that. And so, you know, that might kind of impact the dissemination of that particular work. But I think at the same time, we're capturing, again, families' experiences in the moment. And so that is also impactful in and of itself. So it's been both, you know, a challenge, but also there have been beneficial things that have come from it, like hybrid work and just meeting families where they're at. That's great. Thanks so much. Awesome. So a couple more questions we've got for you. <laughs> we all sitting around a table here together are colleagues in this dynamic College of Health and Human Sciences. Tell us what you like best about being a faculty member in that college. Oh, wow. So I, I mean, there's a lot of things. I think that in my graduate education was in a school by itself. And so my first introduction to being a department within a larger college was here at CSU. And 
I've really appreciated the effort and intention to kind of break down the silos between departments and, you know, that there's specific initiatives that support the interdisciplinary collaborations in terms of like submitting a grant, but also that people in other departments have really been mentors to me during this time. So, you know, HDFS or in HES. And so I've really appreciated that. And I think about, you know, had the School of Social Work just been a school of social work in their own little bubble, would those opportunities still exist? And I'm sure they do. CSU's very collaborative, but I think being housed under that college also just creates the opportunity to build those connections, which I've really appreciated. Well said. You know, for me, when I think five years in the future, that's an area where I think we do a good job as a college, but we can be incredible. Absolutely. You know, if we continue to figure out ways to build bridges and maybe think outside the proverbial box in terms of collaborations where, where some of this translational stuff, we've got people that are, you know, pipetters and mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> people that are, are out in the community and they're, they're doing collaborative work together. That's great. That's one of the in things. In this case, both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well said. Well said. So, so the, the next layer institutionally, of course, is, is that we're at Colorado State, which is a land grant institution. And, and that land grant mission means something. It's not just, you know, words on a piece of paper. So, Talk to us a little bit about what what, uh, being an academic at a land-grant institution means to you. I think some of the, again, some of the recent initiatives that I've familiarized myself with over the last couple of years has been those that have encouraged connections with the community. So, you know, I was talking about the connections within the college, but I think the land-grant mission has also encouraged us to build connections with communities, particularly communities that might be harder to reach. And so we, even last year, I worked on a um, mini grant with extension in terms of translating some of the work that I was doing with early childhood mental health providers throughout Colorado. And so I think that that land grant university mission also not just encourages, but really makes it central to the academics work to make sure that they're being inclusive of the community and that it's mutually beneficial. I have to tell you that from my perspective, you embody that mission really, really nicely. You know, in the last 30 minutes, we've heard you talk a lot about you know, what do I do? What, what is my work uh, aimed towards? What's the impact? And there's this this wonderful blend of kind of scholarly work that the NIH is going to be interested in funding, and you've had fantastic success so far, and we expect much more. But it's all oriented towards the impacting families who find themselves in very difficult circumstances, right? It's I heard nothing about your CV and impact factors and metrics, and which is, you know, all that is, it's got its little niche. But, but it, let, let me take opportunities funded by the federal government, by taxpayer dollars, and do what I can to translate it into better lives for people who are facing circumstances. It's fantastic as far yeah. as I'm concerned. It's incredible. It's got land grant written all over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. So we look forward to celebrating much more in the coming years. I'm excited too. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity. And that's our show. Thank you for tuning in to Health and Human Science Matters. If you want to learn more about our CSU College of Health and Human Sciences, go to chhs.colostate.edu. Here, here.